Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoyed today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. We see this sometimes when people retire. You ever seen someone that was so pumped to retire and then six months later they go back to work? You guys seen that before? They don't know what to do with themselves. They miss the process and they're having a hard time acclimating to their new normal. And sometimes on our way to the destination and when we finally get to our destination, we feel like we've lost some of who we are because of who we've become. We feel like we've lost some of who we are because of who we've become. And so as I close out this series today from Dream to Destination, I want to give you some things that I think are going to help you when you enter into your promised land, when your dream becomes a reality, what do you do, how do you live your life, and how do you make sure that when your dream all comes together, that you don't forget everything that God did in your life to get you to that dream. Does that sound okay so far? Because like I said, the last thing I'd want for you to do is get there and feel like, I don't know what to do here. And it's a thing that you've been praying for. And it's a thing that you've expected. And it was a thing that you longed for. And it was a thing that you worked for. And then when you get there, you feel like, I don't know who I've become. So how do we deal with that? I want to, I want to, take you now when Joshua enters into the promised land the Bible says that one of the first things he had to do was cross the Jordan River everybody say the Jordan River they had 40 years prior God had miraculously parted the Red Sea and the nation of Israel was able to walk on dry ground and uh, God did it again this time through a river but as they crossed the Jordan River as the Israelites entered into the Canaan land and as they, they the, the, the Jordan River stopped flowing long enough for the Israel nation to walk through, Joshua told representatives of each of the 12 tribes of Israel, he said, when you get to the middle part of the river, grab a large stone with you, one from each tribe. And so they grabbed 12 stones. And when they got to the other side of the Jordan River, they stacked those stones up and they created a memorial. Let me take you to Joshua chapter 4 verses 6 through 7 so that you can read the scriptures that describe that scene. Joshua says, we will use these stones to build a memorial in the future. Your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel together. So the first thing that I want you to write down, my first point is this. You need to memorialize your moments. You need to memorialize your moments. What does it mean to memorialize your moments? You have got to take a moment and figure out how you can remember and memorialize the things that God has done in your life on your way to accomplishing your dreams. I'm a journal guy. That's something that I, 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 I pra a practice that I, I recently adapted to a few years ago. And it's a journal, man. It's not a diary, all right? I'm not there writing my feelings out before I go to sleep. I'm talking about a journal. 
where I'm writing down ideas. I'm writing down things that God is talking to me about. I'm writing down my plans. And on the front page of my journal, I'm writing down the significant things that God did in my life during the time that I had that journal. Because I go through them and there's stacks of moleskins now in my, that's a brand of journal that I keep in my office. But I could always pull out that journal and I write down the dates of that journal and there's significant events on there. And it's my way of memorializing the significant things that God has done in my life. Let me ask you, has God done anything significant in your life? For these parents that came on stage and dedicated their children, this is memorializing a moment right here. You see, they don't have to pray for their kids in church. They don't have to dedicate them in church. That's our custom. That's what we teach, and we highly encourage it. But there are many parents that don't see the significance of it, and they don't do it. But each, each parent that did that made a decision to memorialize this moment, memorializing that it was God who gave them this gift, and they are going to raise this child to know God, to love God. And one day, this kid, if all goes right, is also going to, serve God. So why do, we, why do we memorialize our moments? When you memorialize your moment, you honor God for what he has done and you remind yourself of the goodness of the Lord. You honor God for what he has done and you remind yourself of the goodness of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you if you've experienced this, but how many know that dreams don't come easy? They don't. Anything that was worth fighting for and obtaining did not come easy. So I encourage you, when you get to this place where you feel like I am accomplishing the dream that God had for my life, you have got to find a way to memorialize that moment and look back and have the story to tell someone, look at what God did in my life. Look at what God was able to do through me. Look what God was able to do with my family. You've got to create these memorials as a way of honoring God and reminding yourself. I don't know about you, but there's been times where I've memorialized moments, and as I began to live my life, hell begins to break loose. And sometimes I question, God, am I on the right track? God, am I where you want me to be? God, am I doing the thing that you've called me to do? Has anyone ever been there before where you you thought you were so sure that you were on the right path, but then as you got going, be it weeks or months later, you stopped and you had to ask yourself, am I still in the will of God? Am I still where God wanted me to be? What, the reason we plant those memorials is so that anytime we are challenged and when our faith is stretched and we wonder where God is, you could look back at that memorial that you build as a reminder that it was God that was with you when he gave you that dream, that it was God that was with you when you went through that trial, that it was God that was with you when you overcame that sickness, that it was God that was with you when you overcame that problem. I'm talking about looking back and thanking God for the goodness of the Lord. Has anyone ever been through some stuff that you knew it was the Lord that got you out? Come on, can I get a witness in this place where you know it wasn't you. You're not smart enough to figure it out. You're not good enough to have done that on your own, but it was God who opened up a door for you. It was God that made a way for you. It was God that defied the doctor's orders when they said there was no way. Jesus had the last word and Jesus opened up a door that no man can shut and we look back and we know it was the goodness of the Lord. Come on, clap your hands if you know that it's been the goodness of the Lord. We honor God 
by making these memorials. Parents, what are you doing with your children to memorialize things? I, I, I tell you guys, I, I, one of the things about preaching and pastoring now is you guys get to know all about me and my family, sometimes maybe too much. But um, um, you, remember how I opened up with you all and I talked to you all about how, you know, growing up, um, I didn't really push myself academically like I should have. It didn't happen until my junior year that one of the teachers really got a hold of me. He's like, what are you doing? You, you, you are totally underachieving. And it went back to being in elementary school and being told I wasn't good enough by a teacher, mind you. Parents, this is why you got to advocate for your kids because sometimes teachers will say stuff to your kids that's not God and they need mom and dad to unlock that mess that a teacher put in them. Amen? So don't, don't just like send your kids off to school and tell them to believe everything that they're teaching. You got to talk to your kids. And so a teacher told me I wasn't good enough and I accepted that word in my life. And so I kind of goofballed and didn't do things that I should have been doing. But the, 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 the beautiful part of that story is my son Jaden. I'm seeing him rack up these accolades and achievements in school that I was told I wasn't good enough for. And I'm watching my son do. You better believe daddy is memorializing those things. You better believe. They said I couldn't do it, but my son could do it. I shout with him. I mean, when they were giving him that award designation at school, I was having church all by myself in the back because I wasn't going to allow the same negative words that were spoken over my life to be spoken over my children's life. So we celebrated that. And, and we pulled him out of school and we said, come on, we're going to go celebrate with you. And we memorialized that moment. And, and memorializing moments really honors God for what he does. But also it helps us to keep our pride where it needs to be. Amen. Because if you ever feel like you got the job done, if you ever feel like you got it done on your own might, if you ever feel like you got it done on your own strength, those memorials remind you that if it had not been for the Lord who was on your side, because how many know that sometimes as time passes, the stories change? Yeah, they, they do. I, I mean, just talk to one of my old coworkers. I used to love giving him a hard time because he was in his 50s. And every time he'd tell a story about his academic achievements, I would jokingly say, I would jokingly say, like, four home runs. Last time he told me the story, he said it was two home runs. How did you add two more home runs? You know, and, and I would just do that to him to mess with him. But sometimes as time passes, we, we, the story shifts in our mind. And if we're not careful, we start patting ourselves on the back for something that God did for us. And that's the quickest way to lose out on the dream that God has for your life. When you begin to start reading your own press clippings and start believing in yourself more than you believe in what it was God, and more than believing that it was God who did that for you. And so you've got to stop, celebrate those moments. And this is so key right here. When you celebrate those moments and memorialize those moments and, and, and you, you make those things big, moments start to create momentum. Moments start to create momentum. You need to get that, okay? One of the things that we teach our leaders here at this church is that what you celebrate will get repeated. Mom and dad, this is some parenting tips for you, Okay. Um, what you celebrate will get repeated. That's why moms and dads, sometimes we do some really goofy things with our kids. I mean, you throw a party when your kid first goes bathroom, right dads? In the toilet, I mean. I'm not talking about their diaper. I'm talking about the first time they go, what do you do when your kid goes potty all by himself in the toilet? We're celebrating, right, mom and dad? We're sharing. We're throwing a party. And, and if you don't have kids, you probably think, well, that's silly. Wait till you get your own kids, Okay. 
Wait till you get your own kids. You get done changing diapers and wiping bottoms. And so when they can do it themselves, you throw a party. You throw yourselves a party. Um, but you do that because you want to repeat that behavior. So what gets celebrated gets repeated. When you memorialize these moments, you start to pick up momentum. Everybody say momentum. This is why every single Sunday at the conclusion of our service, we ask, does anybody want to make a decision to follow Jesus? Does anybody want to make a decision to restart a relationship with Jesus? And in three months, 80 people have said yes to Jesus. Come on, let's clap our hands for 80 people in three months that have made a decision to follow Jesus. Moments create momentum, but you got to pause and reflect on those moments and see what it is that God did and memorialize that. Are you catching this? When you get to this place where God is allowing you to walk in your promised land, what memorials are you creating so that you now have momentum? How do you know momentum is a powerful thing? I mean, we see this in sports, right? When someone's got momentum, look out. When a team gets momentum, they, they, they're they almost unstoppable. There was a game when I was growing up. I don't even know if this game's still out. Pastor Joe, you would know. Is NBA Jam still a thing? Is it gone? Jeez. That's a good game, right? How many 30-somethings in the room know what I'm talking about? And what would happen when you made like three baskets in a row? You'd catch on fire. And you couldn't miss, right? Come on. Clap your hands if you... That was a great game. That was an incredible... Yeah. Before Fortnite, there was NBA Jam, all right? We couldn't play it on the internet, but still, it was legit. But it's that type of effect in our lives. We start getting momentum, and as you celebrate what God is doing in your life, you start getting momentum. You get momentum, and you get momentum. Before you realize it, you feel like you're unstoppable. Why do you think David ran down to that valley to fight Goliath? He had momentum on his side. When nobody wanted to fight the giant Goliath, David came down, said, I already stopped the bear. I already stopped the lion. Let me face this giant. Why? Because he had momentum on his side. You've got to pause and realize and celebrate those moments where God does something incredible in your life because you'll start to see the goodness of the Lord and you'll start to have this momentum in your life. And when you have this momentum in your life, you get real brave. How many have ever been real brave because of what God has done in your life? I'm talking about you will go into hell with a water pistol brave because God has done some things in your life. And you will fight everyone and you'll be out there totally on fire for Jesus. Why does that happen? Because you've got momentum in your life. And too many times you've been in church so long, you cool off and that fire stops burning on the inside of you because you stopped celebrating the moments that God works in your life. What was once significant becomes common. My God, when God does something powerful, we don't stop to appreciate what God has done so it loses its significance. Just this morning at our all call, I shared the story of how my entire family came to church last Sunday. It was the first time my family had all come because my brother lives in another state. He was in town, brought all four of his kids and my two nieces, one's in fifth grade, one's in eighth grade. When we made the call, who wants to make a decision to follow Jesus? My little nieces rose their hands and we celebrated that together as a team because we're creating some momentum in this church. It doesn't matter if they're in fifth grade, eighth grade everyone that makes the decision to follow Jesus, we are celebrating that. Why? Because moments create momentum. Come on, clap your hands real big in this house. 
The second principle that I want to teach, you got to memorialize your moments. Number two, you got to keep your heart pure. You've got to keep your heart pure. So Israel walks into the promised land. They walk into Canaan, and they are guns blazing, so to speak, okay? Um, they're really just marching, but still, they're really, they're really excited for what God has for them. They have to go, and, and the first opposition that they face is this city with huge walls called Jericho, and they're able to defeat Jericho in a very unusual way. I don't have time to get into all of it, but let's just say that the first opponent that they fought in the promised land was a very strong opponent. Okay, Jericho was a walled city, big walls, and this was a huge test for them. Undoubtedly, this was a huge fight, the biggest fight of their life. And after they conquered Jericho, next up, they had to go and defeat a much smaller enemy, a little people by the name of Ai, but a much smaller enemy. I mean, Jericho, this was like, this is like fighting the world champion. I'm going to use a boxing analogy, okay? This is fighting the champion of the world. And then how many know that a lot of these boxers will get a soft touch after they win that first fight? Anybody follow boxing or MMA? It kind of happens there too, where after you fight and, and you win that belt, they almost always give you a soft touch next. They're like, oh, he's the champ. Let him have a soft one. So they get, you know, they find some taxi driver, put some gloves on him and throw him in the ring. And they're like, go fight the champ, you know? And, um, and that's kind of what AI was, or what it should have been to the nation of Israel. They fight Jericho, the walls come down, and now they've got a soft touch. But here's what happened. Here's what happened. When they conquered Jericho, the word of the Lord was very simple to Israel. Don't keep any of this gold that you find in Jericho. Leave it all here. Don't take any of it. And there was one man who wanted some of that gold for himself. There was one man that completely disregarded the word of the Lord. And because he disregarded the word of the Lord, what should have been easy turned into a difficult task because God left them right there. And they got whooped by that small people by the name of Ai. Israel had just defeated a giant. And all they had to do was get through Ai. As a matter of fact, they were so confident that the Bible says that they only sent 3,000 men. They're like, this is, come on, we just, come on, send the backup. Send the junior varsity. Go handle AI. And they got whooped. They got it handed to them. And the Bible says that Joshua goes before the Lord. He's like, what happened? And, and God revealed, your heart wasn't pure anymore. Because you did the thing that I told you not to do. You took the thing that didn't belong to you. Because you did not obey me, my presence left you. My presence left you. So when you get to that place where God has called you to get to, when you have arrived, you have got to keep your heart pure. Because it's really easy to allow success to nauseate you and cause you to make questionable decisions. Success will do that to you. If you've ever met someone that... Um, if you've ever met someone that's worked really, really hard to get to a successful place, if they're there long enough, they forget, they, they start to forget the journey of what it took to get there. And so when you get to this place that God is calling you, you've got to have a pure heart. The higher our success, the higher our potential for failure. The higher our success, the higher our potential for failure. And mom and dad, if God blesses you and God does an incredible thing in your life and your family is successful, you cannot back down. You've got to keep your guard up because if you fall, you're not just disappointing your spouse, but you're disappointing your children too. It's a much steeper fall. 
it's a much steeper fall. I can remember, I mean, all my 30-somethings, my people, all right? You're going to relate. Y'all remember where you were when Mike Tyson got knocked out? I'm back to boxing. You remember? David, thank you, David. I remember. I was at your house. My cousin Oscar, his dad watched the fight. We watched all the Mike Tyson's fight at my uncle's Oscar's house. That was just the house. Do y'all remember where you were when Mike Tyson got knocked out? I still remember. That was like shock. Now, let me give you a modern example because I've got a lot of kids in the room looking at me like, who in the world? This pastor is so old and dusty. I don't know what he's talking about. Just a couple of weeks ago, the heavyweight champion of the world, his name is Anthony Joshua, and he's from Britain. And uh, the dude's just jacked. He is chiseled, right, Farai? We had a conversation about this. He is chiseled. And he's supposed to fight this American heavyweight in New York where the guy was taking uh, steroids. He gets popped. So they go and they find some dude from El Centro named Andy Ruiz. You guys know what I'm talking about yet? And he looks like the comedian Gabriel Iglesias, a.k.a. Fluffy. And, and he knocked out the champion of the world. This just happened like three weeks ago, right? Every preacher in America was like preaching David and Goliath the very next day. I would not refuse to give in to that. But it's been three weeks, okay? So I'm giving in now. But what I'm talking about is Anthony Joshua, he took this guy lightly. He, 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 he took this guy as a joke and thought there's no way. And he ended up getting completely rocked. And this is what it is like when our heart stops being pure. David wrote it this way in Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David, King David, wrote Psalm 51 after he had been confronted by the affair that he had with a woman named Bathsheba. David when the Bible says at the time that David should have been out fighting the war, he decided to stay back, and now his heart wasn't where it should be. His heart wasn't pure. And the Bible says it was just a, a, a lapse of judgment, a moment of weakness when he took his eyes off of what he should have been focused on, when he lost sight of what God had did in his life. The same man that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. He sees someone. Wasn't his wife, she was married, and he had an affair, and this thing just went sideways really, really fast, and he penned this psalm, create in me a pure heart, O oh God. Not only do we memorialize our moments, but we have to have a pure heart always, always, because the higher we go in God, the more that God blesses us, the easier it is to start believing your own press clippings, the easier it is to start thinking that it was you that got you there. And I've got one more point, and I'm coming to a close now. The last thing I want to tell you all as we close this series is never stop dreaming for more. That's the next last, last point I want you to write down. Never stop dreaming for more. Let me, let me take you back to the early part of our sermon. The early part of our, of our series, I talked about Joshua and Caleb. Do you guys remember Joshua and Caleb, the two spies? There were 12 spies that entered into the promised land. And only two came back and said, we can take this land. Only two, Joshua and Caleb. The 10 other guys, they punked out, right? They were like, they're really big. We're really small. There's no way that we're going to be able to conquer these giants in the land. Joshua and Caleb. And then the word of the Lord came to Joshua, and the word of the Lord came to Caleb. And, and God said, I'm going to kill this entire generation. But Joshua and Caleb, you're going to live to see the promised land. 
because you were the only two that had faith that you would see it. God killed everyone, including Moses. Moses, who was the leader at that time, didn't make it into the promised land. That's kind of jacked up, huh? I mean, think about it. I mean, he had to overcome so much. And, and it wasn't his unbelief. It was the people's unbelief. But nonetheless, God said, Moses, you ain't getting in either. The only ones that I'm going to let to see the promised land from all the people that left Egypt was Joshua and Caleb. That's it. I want to take you to this passage of scripture in Joshua chapter 14. It's towards the tail end of the book of Joshua. And the book of Joshua is very simple. It's two parts. The first part of Joshua, the entire book, if we were to do a, 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 an overview of Joshua, the first half of Joshua is really conquering the promised land, the land of Canaan. And the second part of Joshua is then dividing up the land. Now that they've settled, giving everyone their portion of the land because they're in the promised land. So Joshua chapter 14 says, now look at me. God has kept me alive as he promised. It is now 45 years since God spoke this word to Moses, years in which Israel wandered in the wilderness. And here I am today, get this, 85 years old. This is Caleb talking. Caleb having a conversation with Joshua. And here I am today, 85 years old. Listen to what he says. I'm as strong as I was the day Moses sent me out. I'm as strong as ever in battle, whether coming or going. So give me this hill country that God promised me. Wow. Caleb, at 85 years old, goes to Joshua as they're giving out all the land. He goes to Joshua and says, Joshua, I want my land. And Caleb, Joshua's looking at him like, you're 85 years old. I mean, I'm not even sure if we've got any 85-year-olds in the room. But if we did, that's not exactly prime fighting years, right? That's not exactly the prime age to set out and put on a shield and take a sword. Because when Caleb said, give me the hill, he wasn't just saying, like, there's cows in that land. No, there's enemies in that land. And what Caleb is saying is, me and my boys and my family, we're going to go fight for that land. We're going to drive out the enemy. So... Give me that hill that God has promised me so that I might have my portion of land for my family. The reason we must never stop dreaming is when you get to this place that God has called you to, it's fair to enjoy it. It's fair to celebrate it. But it's not fair to get complacent. It's not okay to get complacent. At some point, you have to start dreaming for what's next. At some point, you have to start asking yourself, What's the next thing that God wants me to do? Where's the next place that God is calling me to? And that's what's so beautiful about Caleb's story. Caleb gets to this point, and he's like, what's next for me? I, I, um, I have these moments where I get brave with, uh, with, with people. And uh, I started this small group, and it was with uh, a group of men from our church. And they're all retired. So they're all like 60, later 60s, but... These are men who had grown up in church but had not really had an opportunity to get um, more of an educational approach to the Bible just beyond coming to church on a Sunday. So they were saying, you know, we pastor, we really want to go in. And I kind of recommended to them, like, why don't you enroll in Bible college? And these guys are looking at me like, college? Uh, college, we're 60s, okay? One of them was like, I'm 64, Pastor Josh. I ain't going to college, okay? And, uh, but they really wanted to go deeper. They really wanted to know more. And so I did something, and I started dusting off all of my old 
Bible college material from when I went to Bible college. And I started teaching my old college material to these group of four guys. All four guys retired. And we would have these incredible moments where they're learning for the first time. I mean, these are men that, you know, they've never been taught anything like this at all. And we started going through what's called hermeneutics 101, just like basic um, just real basic approaches to studying the Bible, interpreting the scriptures, really remedial stuff. It's like the one-on-one stuff they teach you when you first enroll in a Bible college, and they're just eating it up. They're just eating it up. And finally, when, when, then, you know, we did this for almost five years we studied together. Almost five years I studied with this group. Every single Wednesday. They stretched me, y'all. I was like, I'm tired of studying for this. You know, like every Wednesday, we're, I was taking them through the Bible, taking them through the Bible, taking them through the Bible, putting notes. And uh, one day when, you know, you, you start to develop a rapport with people, and, and I, I had this moment with them. And like I said, there's, there's this, these group of retired guys. And I said, you guys need to make me a promise right now. I'm going to teach you guys how to continue to be effective even though you're retired and you're getting old, right? And this is coming from the 30-year-old guy, right? Um, I was having this moment where I could be very transparent and vulnerable, but they were super receptive. And I told that generation, I said, listen, if you really want to influence my generation, stop talking about how bad your knee hurts. Stop talking about how bad your back hurts. Stop talking about how easy we have it compared to how you have it. You sound old and dusty, okay? I told them that to their face, okay? And they looked at me, right? It was a real brave moment, right? They looked at me. And, uh, but they got what I was saying. What I was saying was, you have so much to offer, but the only thing you're talking about is how bad your back hurts. You've got years of experience that this next generation needs, but all you're talking about is your knee. You could do so much for the kingdom of God, even though now you're retired, you could do so much more for the kingdom of God. You don't have little ones. You don't have a job. You're done. Well done. But what are you going to do now in this second act of your life? What are you going to do now that you have all of this time on your hands? And it lit a fire underneath them. They started serving in Father Joe's village. They started working and celebrate recovery, helping people overcome addictions. And a fire was lit on these men who were retired and rather just coasting and going to the beach every day. You've earned some of that. Go to the beach. Have a good time. But I put a fire on the inside of them that let them know that it doesn't matter what your age is. You can still make a difference. And the application for us is when you get to this place of arrival, when you get to this place where your dream has now come to fruition, when you get to this place where you are living your dream, don't stop dreaming. Start asking God, what's the next thing that you have for me? Where's the next place that you're calling me? What's the next thing that I'm supposed to do? Amen? I want to close us out in, in prayer now. And uh, let me just say this. Today is step three of growth track. And what we do today in Growth Track is phenomenal. It happens right after church. And what we do is we help you understand the spiritual gift that God has given you. Every single person in this room has a spiritual gift. Most of you just have not discovered it yet. So today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down with you all and help you discover the spiritual gift that God has for your life. I've had some people come to class and say, Pastor, I got no spiritual gifts. Yes, you do. And at the end of the class, they were like, I see it now. I see it now. So 
If you are able to join me at Growth Track right after class, we have food there. If you got kids, we'll watch your kids. We'll take care of you. Um, make sure you're set. In about 30 minutes, I'll help you unpack your spiritual gift. And then we'll start pointing you to ways that you can start serving in that gift. Because for some of you, it's time to start dreaming again. It's time for some of you to start dreaming again. Some of you are just coming to church and you're just chilling. I'm just having a good time. This church is so awesome. The coffee's so good. The children's care, the children's care is amazing. The worship is great. But you know what? You could either just sit on the sidelines and watch what's happening, or you can join the team and start making a difference. And can I tell you, it's funner to play than it is to watch. It's much funner to play than it is to watch. Come on, let's give God some praise for that. So maybe you're feeling like, I, 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 don't, I don't know if, I don't know if, I've got any more dream left in me, or maybe you feel like, but I've arrived, Pastor Josh. It's time to dream again. Don't settle for where you are. When you've arrived at your place, it's okay to memorialize that, keep your heart pure, but then start thinking, God, what's next for me? What's the next thing that you have for me? Where are you taking me next? What's next for me to do? Because God's not done with you yet as long as you are here and you've got air in your lungs God is not done with you, and he is doing something through your life. Let me lead you in prayer. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Just right there where you're at. Just lean in for a moment. Let me just bless you in prayer. Father, I thank you for all that you are doing here. I thank you, God, for how you've been moving in our lives and for the incredible things that we've been learning about through this series. God, have you, how you have called us to dream again. You've called us, Father, to light a fire on those things that you once spoke in our life. And God, I know I'm speaking to a room full of people, but there's something that your spirit is doing that is far beyond my words. And so my prayer right now in the name of Jesus is that you would start to rekindle a passion for ministry in this house one more time. For people that have been on the sidelines, that you would rekindle a passion to get in the game. You didn't call us to be bystanders. You've called us to be on your team. This kingdom, your kingdom, needs to advance and we have got to take it by force so father i pray that you would stir in our hearts to advance the kingdom to move in this moment to believe for more to trust in your plan to believe that you have a you you have plans for us that are greater than our plans and to believe that you are seeing that through in jesus name we pray amen would you stand to your feet right now if this message has blessed your life i want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.